This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Okay. I'm saying things. Same time. Wait, separately yeah, or yeah, together? Yeah. <laughs> All at once. Ooh, it's a duet. <laughs> You are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil. With me today is Adam and Josh. What's up, fellas? What's going on, man? Hey. Josh did not sound very enthused. Like, you want to try that again there, man? I feel like, you know, when you're on you know when you're on the stage and like you're trying to get the one side of the crowd to be the other side, you're like, I'm gonna hear it again from you guys. So, like, what's up, Josh? Hi. There Hi, you go. That's a little better. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, dude. Uh, Josh, you're just super awkward, bro. <laughs> I know. He's like, uh, it's great. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're doing things a little different today. We have one more week of preseason football still coming. So before the regular season kicks off, we figured we'd make this an episode filled with like crazy opinions, fire takes, as the kids call them. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. So we're going to do things a little differently, different segments. We'll still have foul or no foul and whatever, but we're going to do things a little differently than the uh, last few episodes if people are getting accustomed to that rhythm. Uh, before we do that, though, I mean, do you guys have anything new going on, man? Anything Anything you guys want to talk about? Anything you want to get off your chest? Josh, any new articles? Uh, one about Kenny Galladay came out yesterday. Yesterday. So I looked into whether or not I thought that offense was going to really be a problem for him and I'm of the opinion now that it's just it's all on whether or not he's good enough to be a wide receiver one. I don't think that offense is a big problem. All right. So there's a Kenny Galladay article out there. Adam, have you read it yet? I have not yet. But you will, right? (laughs) Obviously. Right. Okay. Just making sure. Josh, you got to let us know when you put these things out sooner. I mean, Uh, I I don't want to be announcing like every time. It's kind of the the idea. That's true. It would just be constant. But I mean, when you create content, it's kind of the idea, Josh. Tell people that it's there. Cool. I, they, they go out on Twitter. No, nah, you need to <laughs> you need to fucking let us know it's on Twitter. Okay. All right. Just step up. It's again. actually our fault for not setting the alerts on Josh's tweets. Right. So, uh, you know. Nobody wants that. Right. <laughs> we'll take the blame. That. We'll take the blame. But anything else new going on in your world, either one of you? Nothing new? Nothing great? Nothing, nothing uh, mentionable? Nothing on my end. My, mine's, mine's been the same old, same I like world. how you're just burying the lead with Andrew Luck retiring. Like, just a- anything? Anything happening in the world? You know, anything <laughs> interesting? No? He's the elephant in the room, right? 
You, and anybody try uh, the new Popeye sandwich? Yeah? Well, well, yeah, well, you know, yeah. similar to Andrew Luck being released. Well, we already talked about the Popeye sandwich. Similar to Andrew Luck being released the other day. This is kind of this might be too much information for people, but I got hit in my Italian meatballs twice in like three minutes by my kids, and I really wanted to cry. Is that normal? Yeah, I think it's allowed. Okay. Cause like I really was like it was like unbelievable like you get hit once and you know like it takes you out man and then to get hit again like three minutes later I was like ready to quit life man I was like this is not fucking right so I think it's kind of what Andrew Luck felt like because I see Josh had Andrew Luck on a team Adam had Andrew Luck on a team and it seems like both are destroying their teams as soon as the news happened. I mean. That sounded way worse than Andrew Luck retiring, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was it wasn't great for my dynasty rosters. Now, I mean, I kind of lucked out. I wasn't very heavy on Colts and best ball, so that was fine. It was a big deal, but yeah, I mean, really for me, it's just it hurts the game. Like it's just, I mean, it's yeah. sad. It's sad to see. You know, I mean, I hope it's the best thing for him, and you know, he's gonna live a happy fulfilled life from here on out because i mean guys got you know money he's a super smart guy he's getting out with you know his head still in it so hopefully it's everything he wants it to be but uh yeah i mean from a fan perspective it yeah it definitely feels like the you know air got knocked out of your tires because you just yeah it's just yeah, you it, feel it, deflated. It, it was interesting to see like the like battle spark on like social media and stuff, where like certain people were like bashing him for it, which is always weird to me. I guess if like you're a fan of the team and the timing wasn't perfect, I can see you being like kind of emotional about it. But like people who aren't Colt fans and like just love the NFL or whatever, like for them to get mad at him to me is so weird. Um, but yeah, you've seen these people that are like super angry. Then you've seen some people who are like super supportive. You didn't really see any current NFL players knock him for it, which I thought was interesting. Because anyone that was talking are basically people who either never played football in their life or are retired. You didn't see any current players like knock him for it. Am I wrong on that? Did I see anyone? No one knocked him. I didn't currently, see right? it either. I, I'm sure they know what he's going through. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure they've all rehabbed things and been frustrated and. I, I get it. I don't know if you guys seen. Did you guys see Gronk's little announcement thing today? I did. I yeah. Saw, His teaser. He, he gonna start. Uh, so I saw a couple of things. I also saw that he was gonna start pushing for uh, professional athletes to be able to use CBD as, as opposed to being on painkillers all the time. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Like, that's just. That would be yeah. good for them. He's promoting. I think he has his own CBD company as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the UFC's already adopted that for for mixed martial arts. They allow it in competition, and uh, yeah, I think that there's probably a lot of professional sports leagues that could utilize it. Yeah, I guess it just kind of also reminded me of Andrew Luck's situation because I'm like, he was like crying. Gronk was like crying. He got emotional. And he's like, you know, the game was like just not fun, and it was like taking so much out of me. And I'm thinking, like, damn, is this kind of like what Andrew Luck's probably going through right now? You know, this feeling that Gronk had that made him retire. You know what I mean? So I thought it probably and, – and I and I wonder if, you know, seeing guys like Gronk who retired – I don't know. He retired relatively young, too. I don't know how old he was exactly. But, um, you know, him retiring, Andrew Luck retiring. Like, I wonder if it's going to make players open their eyes and, like, hey, I should get out of this thing quicker than 
the way we used to do this thing. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah I think that's a trend that could start. There, there was also that there was like a San Francisco linebacker that played for a year yeah. and then quit. So it, it's happened a few times now with all this stuff we know about CTE and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's interesting. And like I said, you know, obviously we're talking about the real life impact here. And then there's the fancy impact, which is really irrelevant and, and, and high, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I also feel like I got I kind of got threatened by Josh, Adam, after this happened. Uh oh, he threatened me a little bit in my DMs. He, he had just recently he just it, deal has my first in that league <laughs> where I lost Andrew Luck and he won't sell it to me so, it to so me. let me let me tell you how this goes down though right Adam so he somebody knows it's gonna be a high first yeah so he DMs me right and I, this is no it's not well yeah this, this this is the threat exactly what I'm talking about so we trade I trade him a quarterback for a first round pick then he loses luck which obviously uh, didn't make him a very happy camper. So then he DMs me and he's like, "Hey man, let's let me get that first back." And I was like, "No, nah, I don't think so. Like, I'm not really interested in trading it right now." And then he was like trying to give me these offers and stuff. And then he literally said, "This to Adam, tell me this is a threat, okay?" He said, uh, "He let me find the exact thing so I'll quote this guy incorrectly." I said, "Oh no, no, no! If you don't, don't sell it to me. I will make it worth as little as I can possibly." Make. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. He, he said, he said, yeah, he said, he said, um, I may just have to tank, so I want that pick back. And I didn't answer. He goes, "But if you don't sell it to me, I will make it worth as little as I possibly can." <laughs> and I felt like that's I was, fair. Being, I was being threatened. Uh, it's a beautiful threat because it's like I will try my hardest to actually win games this year. Exactly. Don't you make it. I was like, "Hell no, Joshua!" It's reality though, Joshua Crocker over here threatening me. Not happening. Not cool. Yeah, he'll man. sell me that first eventually. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. He was threatening me. I was like, "Oh, he's Andrew Luck got him in his feels right now." Yeah, here threatening me. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to some other conversation because you know Andrew Luck's been talked about a lot right now, and we know it's a it's a big deal. We'll see how how this all goes in his life, but hopefully we wish the best for him here. Um, what we're gonna do? So I decided let's not. We you know we don't have a guest on today. We don't need a guest. We're these elite guys over here, and I was like, let's shake it up a little bit. Let's not do the segments we normally do. Let's give it a little twist. So I tried to think of a creative way to attack this. And I figured we did have three great, amazing guests recently. And you know, when you have these guests on, you always get these great quotables, these, these great lines from these guys. And so I said, let's apply some of these guys, greatest lines from those episodes into segments. So the first segment we're going to do is you're going to try to get me in trouble here. Aren't you? Which for those who have been listening, that is an Elliot Chris line from the episode that we had when he had, when he was on here recently. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to use this to discuss basically players who we're all in on that, you know, we have on a lot of our teams. We, you know, we strongly believe in, but there's a strong chance or, or a good chance or just a higher chance than normal that you would feel that they're going to get you in trouble for all the love that you're showing them. So, um, again, you're going to get, try to get me in trouble here. Aren't you? Josh, I'll let you start this one, man. You have a player. I guess we could do it. You know, if you have two players, just give your two and everything also. And we'll just kind of jump around to different people. Um, it's okay. You guys can give one, two, whatever you feel like doing. 
Okay, so I've got a couple of players that I have uh, a few, a few on a few rosters, and I I do think that they're in for good seasons. But at the same time, it I can see potential for trouble, and and they're kind of related. So the two are Tariq Cohen and James White, and I think that they will both lead their backfields in fantasy points. So the a, a trend that I have noticed is that these types of pass catching backs. All they really need is 100 targets and 100 carries, which is no small ask on the targets. But And they, they are RB1s. And when they get that done, the other person in that backfield is usually an RB3 or an RB4. So, you know, last year, Sony points per game was an RB3 because of James White's season and also because of injury. And then Tariq Cohen had a big year. Jordan Howard was... RB 30 points per game, uh, you know, and going back into history, we've seen this happen with other, especially rookie running backs like Melvin Gordon's first year with Danny Woodhead. He was RB 45 when Mark Ingram came into the season with Darren Sproles. He was, I'm sorry, Melvin was RB 45, but Mark Ingram did not have a good rookie year, largely because he was shut out of the passing game. And all he got was the low, efic- low efficiency touches between the 20s, which is what I think is going to happen to David Montgomery. I think Tariq have all the high-value high touches. And with the pass catchers in New England, I think James White has a chance to at least have a strong season if he doesn't repeat completely what he was able to do last year. So basically, with these guys, you feel like the the expectation you're putting on them is where the possible failure can come in at, right? <laughs> like the possible trouble. Like yeah, you're putting I, a pretty high I mean, field. Right. These guys that that get a lot of their a high proportion of their points from catches instead of rushing yards, sometimes they have trouble repeating those seasons. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the both of them are back in a, a decent situation to do it. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with you. And, and this is a tough segment because it's basically us saying, like, you know, I'm all in on this guy, but I'm taking a, a risk here. So it's hard to feel that way about guys we like, right? I mean, if we're taking them that much, you would think there can't possibly be that big of a, a risk because we feel great about yeah. it. <laughs> I, I see potential for trouble, but yeah. I'm still betting right. on James White and Tariq Cohen. That's fair. I didn't have, I like I said, I struggled because of that to find a lot of guys here. I didn't obviously list any Raiders because there's no chance that Raiders are going to fail me. So I didn't list any mm-hmm. Raiders. That's too easy. Um, I You know, I've had guys in the past, and I guess in, in some sense, like someone like Jarek McKinnon, I'm still, I'm not bullish on him or anything, but it's like I'm still buying him for cheap everywhere I can, which is probably stupid even at, at this point because I know in an auction league I bought him for $2 and I felt dirty after it, like, but I'm still buying them. Like, I can't help it. So that is a small risk. Um, one of the bigger risks I guess I'm taking sort of is Will Fuller. I guess history is more what I'm talking about because, you know, the injuries. So I, I know there's no way to gauge injuries and there's no way to say, you know, I guess people say there's no such thing as an injury, you know, bar to, to gauge a guy on. But I still feel like with the way his injuries have gone, that where I'm taking him, you know, in the seventh round and stuff like that, that it's still a risk 
just because he hasn't really ever completed a season. Um, so I feel like he's probably my biggest risk. I don't know if there's anybody else I can think of like that's probably as much as high up as he is, um, or that I have on so many teams that I feel like is, you know, there's a really strong chance that they're going to get me in trouble. Even and I, and I and I have a lot of faith in him. So um, he's probably my biggest one. Adam, who do you have that's going to possibly get you in trouble, man? Yeah, I just want to say I think Will Fuller fits perfectly for something like this because, yeah, he is that player that when he's been on the field has just kind of exploded. But it seems like it's few and far between. And when he's not healthy, you don't want him in your lineup at all. But, yeah, I mean, he is that guy. So I, I like that as far as somebody who the bottom could really fall out on but has, like, a ton of upside. Um, mine is honestly the most perplexing ADP in fantasy football to me, which is Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, he's going as wide receiver 44 right now on draft. And I know drafts half PPR, but this is a wide receiver who in three of the last four seasons finished as a top 12 receiver in PPR leagues. I mean, he had a wide receiver four finish just two years, or I'm sorry, just three years ago. And ultimately I feel like everybody's writing him off just because of age, when even last season, I mean, he finished just outside of the top 24 wide receivers in PPR, and that was on an atrocious offense. Now he's getting Kyler Murray. He's getting this fast-paced air raid offense where they're going to be taking more shots downfield, and he's the most reliable receiver in that offense. I think that he has a high possibility to be a target monster again. And honestly, like, if we're doing bold predictions, for me, I honestly think that Larry Fitzgerald once again has top 12 upside and can finish in the top 12 in PPR. And, I mean, I've just been targeting him a ton. I mean, he's my most owned player in best ball. And I just think that right now with him going at wide receiver 44, there's absolutely no way outside of him getting injured or just falling off the age cliff entirely that he doesn't just surpass that ADP. But... I guess, you know, the real trouble here or the real concern is that age cliff and just like, is it over for him? I don't think it is. But if it is, I mean, we've seen with other receivers, it can just fall off and fall off quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I have a lot of I have zero shares of Larry Fitzgerald. And I know I'm in some dynasty leagues, which that kind of obviously is different than, you know, best ball. But like even in redrafts and stuff like I, I and I guess it's the age thing. It's the only thing I can really point to because like you said, everything else points to like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? So age is like the big thing. And, and it gets scary, too, when you hear like um, when you're watching the game, they're like Kyler Murray, you know, went to elementary school when Larry Fitzgerald first time. And you're like, what? How could he have been in elementary school when Larry Fitzgerald entered the NFL? Like, how is this possible? And they're on the same team right now. Like when you hear like crazy situations like that you're like yeah this guy like he there's no way he can continue to do this like it's impossible but you're betting you're betting on the man of steel to just keep pulling it man which i'm not i'm not mad at that i think it's interesting that all three of ours for this for this topic was kind of like in different for different reasons um you know mine is the guy that keeps getting hurt josh is the the guys who you know are pass catching backs who if that doesn't happen for some reason is a bad situation and then you got the old wily veteran that you got on every single team you have so it's cool that we all you know found different places to find the trouble you know what i mean yeah that's pretty cool shout out do we have any anyone else on any other guys or that's it for that one 
Yeah, I mean, I have two running backs that, for me, I mean, I think they can get me in trouble just because they're my two most owned running backs in best ball, and both of them are, you know, later round guys who, personally, I think that both of them have the potential and personally think they will lead their backfields and fantasy points in PPR leagues this year, and that's Justice Hill and Matt Breida. Um, both I've been drafting all off season in, like, the 15th-plus rounds, and now Matt Breida's going in, like, the 10th, 11th round. Justice Hill's going shortly thereafter in, like, the 12th, 13th round. And I feel like the attention around these guys has kind of just, you know, started to bubble up, especially Justice Hill being that he was a rookie. I think getting to see him in the preseason and see that he he has ability and uh, it seems like he's going to fit in that offense well. I, I think ultimately – those are two guys that, for me, are super poised to just take over the lead in their backfields or at least get enough touches that they outproduce everyone else in fantasy. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately, the fallback for both of them is neither one of the starters on their team. I mean, they both have the ability to just kind of get phased out as far as touches go. Yeah, that is a major... I, I like the Matt Brady take especially because I don't really see Ted Coleman as being someone who's capable of dominating a backfield you know even even when he was playing with Kyle Shanahan and they talk so much about how he likes to target running backs he only ever got 40 targets 40 targets like it wasn't like a James White seat where he lived on targets he got 40 attempts he's ever had uh, last year 167 yeah, I don't I don't understand how this guy comes to San Francisco up two hundred carries and it's it's not gonna happen. Matt Breed is gonna be very relevant. Yeah. I mean ultimately the thing that I like about both probably the most is their competition. I mean, both have running backs that are coming to the team for the first time. You know, Mark Ingram is transitioning out of the Ravens offense. Tevin Coleman, he's played in that offense before, but he's coming to a brand new team. And I think that when these aging running backs are transferring teams, the expectation a lot of times is that they're just going to pick up exactly where they left off. But I think that, you know, there could be more to those transitions than meets the eye. And, and that could open up opportunities for these younger backs to really, you know, gain a larger share of the touches. I've been coming around on Breida a little more, even though that means McKinnon is dead. Oh, that's interesting. It's true. I've been coming around a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Man. Hey, better late than never. I'm not going to lie. All right. Shout out to Elliot for that uh, great uh, segment there. Not that he made it, but the quote made it, man. The quote made it. Um, the next one we're going to go with is uh, a quote from CJ, a.k.a. The Siege, as many know him. Um, as many know, CJ went ballistic <laughs> at moments on the podcast and one of them was when he said this sony michelle comp kind of bugs me he jumped down people's throats on that one and so i thought this is an interesting way to make a, a, a segment out of this and it's more so what we're you know i wanted to discuss players that you know we either you know you can either hate the guy or love the guy but it's more the opposite of what you know the adp or the consensus or just the comps that you're hearing out there just, just what we're hearing people, you know, more strongly, you know, going against what people more strongly are saying right now, basically at the moment, um, to kind of give an example, um, give myself a Raiders plug here, right? Darren Waller, I feel like could be a top 10 fantasy tight end. 
that's right, I said it. Or when I have to keep fighting for AB to be a top five wide receiver again, even though he has this helmet fiasco and fucked up feet and shit. That's my that's my example here. I'm gonna use a Raiders plug because you know obviously that would be an easy way out if I chose those guys. But that's kind of what we're doing. Obviously, people aren't even drafting Darren Waller in half the leagues in the world, and if they are, they don't think he's top ten. AB is kind of falling out of that top echelon because for some reason everyone thinks he's crazy or whatever and he's got Derek Carr so that's just kind of an idea um we'll let Adam start this one since Josh started the last one so Adam who is uh who's your guys or guy for the Sony Michelle comp kind of bugs me yeah I mean uh, it's kind of a weird one because I think that the comp that I most often hear is uh Deshaun Jackson and I think that that is one of those comps that people put in this idea of, oh, it's just somebody who's a good deep ball receiver. But I don't think that's the case here, and I don't think that's the case for Deshaun Jackson either. I think that they're dynamic wide receivers that have this really uh, amazing ability to make big plays. And for, for me, that guy is John Brown. And I think that he's kind of the perfect match for Josh Allen. And right now with him going at like a... a 11th 12th round ADP he's one of the latest wide receiver ones that you can get that's connected to you know a offense that has the chance to have explosive plays I mean Josh Allen towards the end of last year seemed to really connect with Robert Foster in that offense and Robert Foster was a player I liked a lot coming into this year but I feel like Josh or John Brown has really taken over what that role is in the offense, which is really going to be that uh, that downfield passer that can ultimately like have the opportunity to break games open. So, yeah, I mean, I think John Brown just has a lot of potential to be kind of a sneaky, you know, wide receiver one in the NFL, and then also be somebody who could end up as a sneaky top 24 guy in fantasy. And, and let me ask you this really quick about Brown, Adam. Why, why do you think he doesn't, get the respect do you think it's the quarterback do you think it's that he's you know he's had these you know these weird injuries in the past where it's like you know it's kind of held him back from what everybody thought he was capable of what do you think is making it that he's so far down that it's like basically being ignored at this point i mean i think it's definitely the injuries it's transitioning teams you know he's just been inconsistent yeah i mean it's you know he, it, you, I think that he's also one of those players that people have always wanted to see break out. Like, he's a guy that's always kind of had a lot of hype around him, at least in the fantasy community. And I think that he's never really lived up to that. I mean, ultimately, you know, his best season was his second year in the league. And ever since then, I mean, that's his only 1,000-yard season. Things have just kind of decreased and... He hasn't really ever been able to get back to that level of production. And I think that, you know, it's been a combination of the injuries. It's been a combination of transitioning from Arizona to Baltimore. But the thing that we did see last year was that while Joe Flacco was on the field, John Brown was the top 24 receiver. I mean, he he was productive with Joe Flacco. So I think that, you know, to say Josh Allen and Joe Flacco are on the same plane as far as passing ability right now, I don't think that would be too big of a stretch. So <laughs> I think that there's definitely definitely that possibility that John Brown pops off. That's fair. 
That's fair. Did you have another player, or do we? No, that's okay, all I had. Cool. Yeah, John Brown's a, a good one for this. Um, Josh, who do you have, man? Okay, so the first one I want to talk about is Mike Williams, and th- this player, it it just he drives me crazy <laughs> because it, I feel like it is so transparent. It, it should be so obvious that this guy got what 60, 66 targets. And scored ten touchdowns, never going to happen again. Like I don't understand why this is not recognized as just being wild touchdown variance. And so the things that you hear are, well, but it's the way it's the way his team uses him, or it's that he's just like a natural touchdown. So this guy in college, his best year. Of a touchdown scoring, he had 26% of his team's touchdowns. Successful wide receivers in the NFL average 40%. Guys like Des Bryant, who actually made a living off of scoring touchdowns, he had a year where he had 76% of his team's receiving touchdowns. Like, that's ridiculous. Mike Williams, 26% is not even good. So he's not this prolific touchdown guy. And then if you look at the way that he was used, you know, first of all, he, he wasn't heavily targeted. So I don't think that usage should have added up. He, he didn't have a very high... Sorry, let me find this. Man, he's getting my blood boiling at him. <laughs> <laughs> so he had only 60% of Ren's snaps, which was 51st overall. He's not he's not being put on the field in that situation specifically. He had four targets inside the five, which was 15th overall. Which, so not, not bad. His touchdowns were fifth overall. Like the, this one thing stands out, and there's nothing else that is that is supporting it. Like there's just nothing there. So if that comes back to just normal, his expected touchdowns per player were 5.2 touchdowns. If that's what he gets based on his usage, he's going to be a wide receiver three. And I don't see any reason to expect anything else from this guy. Like he's, He was a first-round pick in his second year in the Listen, man. Listen. Not impressive target. He's not living up to first round high. So, like, all right. Josh is a little choppy over there. I don't know if he's just a Mike Williams hate or what. Um, Can you hear him getting a little choppy, Adam? Yeah, he was showing up choppy. All right, yeah. So, if you want to move around a little bit, Josh, because I don't know. Skype's not feeling your Mike Williams hate right now. Um, but, but so I, I wanted to defend Mike Williams a little bit. Now I've never been a Mike Williams advocate. I don't even know if I need to listen to guys cause this guy's making me mad already. Uh, I might have to hear the rest of Josh's before I even go, but yeah, Mike Williams, I feel like the only, def- the major defense I have is like Tyrell Williams is gone, right? Targets. He's, someone's got to get some extra targets there. The Melvin Gordon issue is happening. Now some may say that's a good, a bad thing for Mike Williams, like Eckler and, you know, the other guys are going to get more passes because they don't have such a good running back. Um, but I can't really – I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. But either way, 
you know, the Tyrell Williams ish thing where the target's got to go somewhere. Not all of them are going to go to him, but I'm just saying, like, it's some kind of bump. And then the fact that he did it last year, sure, we can say it's a touchdown thing where it's like it's not going to happen again. It can't repeat itself. But I just feel like with some extra targets, another year in the system, they've seen what he can do once. They're going to try to repeat it. Like, why would they, why would they, why would they go away from that? Like, why would, why would they shade away from it? So you're basically saying to me that even if they still give him the targets or even bump him up, that he's just not going to complete these or I, I don't know what exactly is going to make him, you know, less dependable. Obviously, like we said, the touchdown things can be very, uh, you know, they can jump up and down and it could happen. But I just feel like with the targets and everything, I don't see the, the hate. I don't see the hate. I may have just traded him for Cooper <laughs> in a league, so that could be why I'm uh, fighting for him. But I just feel like, I don't know, man. You hate him a lot, and I know it's like the stats and the metrics and all that don't really play to his advantage. But I know Adam is not – I don't think Adam's all the way with you on this one either, right, Adam? No, and I, I did not like Mike Williams coming out. Neither but did I. I, I wasn't like crazy about him either. The, the idea that we can just deny when people score 10 touchdowns and just call it variance and say that, you know, oh, he's going to just see natural regression and that's going to be that. I feel like it's just the it's the easy analytic cop out that I feel like I, I've heard over and over with these players. And I mean, to me, it's Mike. Mike Williams is a guy that the analyst community just didn't like coming out. I mean, that's that's just what it was. He was a film guy, if you will. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of that left over. But really, to me, it, it's just a target conversation. I mean, you brought it up. You know, Terrell Williams lost, left that offense. And Hunter Henry definitely being healthy is going to eat up some targets. But if Melvin Gordon's not there, I mean, unless you're projecting Keenan Allen to get like 160, 170 targets – Mike Williams is going to see the most targets he's ever gotten in his career. And ultimately, I mean, it's just going to come down to what he can do with those targets. I think that where he's going in fantasy drafts right now is like a wide receiver two, you know, fringe wide receiver three is pretty fine to me. I mean, if you're drafting him as like a wide receiver two fringe wide receiver one, I'm probably going to be a little bit skeptical, but I think ultimately like if it, uh, if Hunter Henry doesn't play up to what we expect him to be, I think that Mike Williams has a lot of potential to be, you know, a consistent top 24 receiver. If Hunter Henry does, then yeah, Mike Williams is probably not going to live up to where he's being drafted. But I mean, I don't think it's going to be a situation where like the bottom falls out. So the Hunter Henry point is a good point to bring up because They've played games together, and in fact, in seven games that Mike Williams has played with Hunter Henry, he has not scored a touchdown. And I'm sure that that will end at some point, but the two of them see very similar red zone usage. Both of them had exactly 19.7 red zone target share, which, by the way, among wide receivers is 34th. So that's like, it's not great. His end zone target share, Mike Williams, I'm talking about, 28th. Like, there's just nothing that says, yes, this guy should be scoring a lot of touchdowns. But actually, isn't that counterintuitive? Because he was able to score 10 touchdowns with that limited share. It's just not something I want to bet on continuing. Like, if the usage actually isn't there. The background of having this ability 
isn't there. Like, crazy shit just happens. Well, it hasn't been there, but now you're losing a guy in Terrell Williams that's been on that team multiple years, that has seen the second most targets on that team for consistent season after season. So to lose that in an offense opens up at least opportunity for Mike Williams. I don't know. I, I think this is an interesting one. We could go back and forth mm-hmm. on it for a while. But, uh, yeah, fight. Mike Williams would be an interesting one to see how he plays out this year. My, my, my biggest issue is that Josh insulted him by calling him a skinny Kelvin Benjamin. And <laughs> that's, that's killing two birds. I thought you'd think that was a compliment. Well, no, that's killing two birds with one stolen and an insult because he knows I like Kelvin Benjamin also. So he's he's insulted both my guys in one shot by Disney relating them to each other in an insultive way. So that was the goal. Yeah. Very rude. Very rude is what it was. <laughs> very rude. And I, I feel like Josh is going to piss me off with another guy here. I'm not even going to list guys. I'm just going to keep battling Josh because it's fun. So who else you got, Josh? So my next guy here was Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs is just we've all heard of the Alabama tax, right? Where guys who go to Alabama get this bump, they get drafted early, they cost a little more. It's the Alabama tax. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only explanation I have for Josh Jacobs because this guy has nothing. He was not <laughs> he was not a college producer, fifteenth percentile college college dominator. He's not athletic. He he is a non just a non-dominator he does not do anything that justifies his draft capital and we have seen other players come out of alabama who were like this who got drafted too soon and they fizzled out and the best comp i think is tj yeldon tj oh, yeldon guy. twice was was mm. another alabama non-backfield dominator who was drafted early second round went to a team where he was presumed to be the guy and he fizzled right out. And and people think that the first round draft capital is like a, a golden ticket and it's important, but what it really means is he has like an 80% chance of being an RB two at some point in his season. And, And that's what I, I think he will just live up to that. I think he will be an RB2 for a season or two, and then he will be gone. Adam, you heard me say earlier that this guy threatened me for that first-round pick, right? (laughs) This is clearly targeted hate. First, Kelvin Benjamin, Mike Williams. Now, Josh Jacobs, TJ Yeldon. What a coincidence. No, it's like... It's like all the players that Neil likes are like all the other bad players that Neil likes. But I, I got to say, I disagree again. Yes. And Josh Jacobs is another player like Mike Williams that initially I had the same reaction. When Mike Williams came out, I wasn't a fan, but he proved me wrong. Josh Jacobs, I'm not even going to give the opportunity to prove me wrong because fantasy football is a volume game. And I think that them drafting Josh Jacobs was a foundational choice for the Raiders offense. And I think that the thing that you get when you draft Josh Jacobs is you get a locked in set of volume that you're not getting with a lot of other guys. Say for instance, even somebody like a carry on Johnson, 
I would not be surprised at all if Josh Jacobs sees more touches than Carryon Johnson this year. But he's going, you know, a half round to a full round after him. I mean, there are... I feel like that there are a lot of guys that get pushed up because of the expectation of, like, the spark play or, you know, what they can do in the passing game that's super exciting. Josh Jacobs is going to be one of those guys, in my opinion, that will finish top 12, and he'll do it just based on value. And, you know, he'll have good games when Oakland can win a game here and there, and he'll be just productive the rest of the time. But I don't see Josh Jacobs being somebody who bottoms out. I think he's going to be a volume-based just like plotter that is able to really just rack up a ton of points just based on volume. I I love how, like, draft capital it matters when it helps you guys and then it doesn't uh volume (laughs) it matters when it can help you and then it doesn't uh competition in the backfield it helps you when it can help you and then it doesn't like come on man we can't pick and choose these things like this is like uh like people who like choose like religion just to pick certain things and they back up other things like i don't do that it's like oh you're just picking what you want out of the religion it's like come on man like josh jacobs has like you said the draft capital He's going to get the volume. Who's behind him? Jalen Richard and fucking DeAndre Washington. Like, they even cut uh, fucking Dougie, boy, because they don't care. Because they got DeAndre Washington's finally getting a shot at him. So, I mean. That's right. That's that's real. It's becoming <laughs> real. Dude, it's becoming real. You put some respect on it when you say Jalen Richard's name. <laughs> no, sir. I mean, I love these guys. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> they put first-round capital on this guy. He, yeah, but. Jalen Richard isn't Michelle getting triple-digit carries. He's not even getting 50 carries. Like they, they don't want to hand that man the ball. He's, he's not a between the tackles runner. He's not an outside runner. He's not a runner. I mean, it, <laughs> he's not a runner. It's just, <laughs> no, I, I mean, understand. it's just the case. Jalen Richard is not. I mean, you know, he's like Duke Johnson. He just can't run between <laughs> tackles. <laughs> oh, that that was. No, we want to insult some of your players. <laughs> we'll here. come back to that. Um, uh, Lamar Miller. God rest his soul, has shown us (laughs) that volume can be non-productive. I can get all the carries in the world, says Lamar Miller, and still be RB23 in points per game. Yeah, if you you don't catch passes. But, like, Josh Jacobs is going to catch passes. I don't believe that they're going to be taking him off the field to get Jalen Richard in there constantly. I just, I don't see it. I think he's going to have a good target share. I think that he's going to have a ton of touches on that team. I mean, I I don't know. I think that he's just one of those guys that the competition there, like, obviously I love DeAndre Washington, but he's not (laughs) going to get touches. They're not going to be giving, they're not going to be manufacturing touches for DeAndre Washington or Jalen Richard. It's just not going to happen. This but, is the, the, I mean, these segments, a guy like Carryon Johnson, they're going to be manufacturing touches for C.J. Anderson. Yeah. I can promise you that. You know, it doesn't. It's going to happen. There's not many times where you two butt heads so many times on episodes. This is fun. Um, because, yeah, especially when I'm defending a player that Neil. Likes. Yeah, usually it's you two versus me, and today it's you two versus each other, and I'm just taking jabs in there to kind of initiate things, which is fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're against you again, Josh. What are you gonna do about that, man? Like, I, I don't even want to give guys names because Josh pissed me off so bad. I just wanted to defend these guys. I mean, I have some guys. If, if Josh Jacobs is able to get to like 50 catches, it's it's gonna work out for him. But I think that's a, a pretty steep hill to climb. Do you have any like, you Josh Jacobs shares? You don't get catches like you get carries. You don't get catches just because you're on the field. You got to earn them, and so that is yet to be seen. Think, he wasn't even like a dominant pass catcher at Alabama. Damian Harris had as many passes 
as many catches as he did. Don't make me don't make me pull out the uh, he's a good run blocker line. Oh my god, pass pro bro. <laughs> he's good in pass protection. I mean, he is, but you know, to Josh, it means nothing. It's all right. Well, you guys, you're gonna be proved wrong, Josh. You're gonna be proved wrong. Maybe time and time again. Time and time again. This Raider. Do you have any Josh Jacob shares? No. <laughs> disgusting. No, I, he was go. He was so expensive. Yeah, he, he was, was so expensive. expensive. He was. He's not even a guy that you're going to like end up taking because, gosh, the value is so good. This is true. It, you know, in redraft, I'm taking wide receiver in those rounds, and in dynasty, he was 101, 102. No, thank you. Mm-mm. That price tag is going to come down on Adam's ass. I can't wait. Adam's trying to make me pay the moon right now for him. I'll pass. All right. I didn't really have too much here. I mean, nothing nothing crazy as far as comps. I mean, I do like certain players more than other people. People like to take jabs at it. Uh, our old singularity buddy over there was making fun of me in a mock because he said there's going to always be guys like that that will take Philip Lindsay early. You know, there's guys like Philip Lindsay that I, that I believe will be a top 13 in PPR again also. So, uh, take that. And who else am I kind of like bullish on that people probably aren't as much? I still, I still think Josh Gordon can be a wide receiver one. Is that crazy? That's not. He doesn't. He have the all time best wide receiver season with like sixteen hundred yards. I don't even know. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. So it's nothing for me to. Sony Michelle kind of bugs me. It's not exactly that, but I do think he's a wide receiver one. I think he is a wide receiver one. But, yeah, that's all I got. It, it bugs me when people say, like, when he played in these games, he only put up wide receiver three <laughs> yeah, numbers. So I'm like, I don't care. I don't care because he also has a 1,600-yard season with Brandon Whedon. <laughs> exactly. There's so much Josh Gordon takes I cannot stand. I just want the guy to prove everybody wrong. I hope he gets a – I want him more than anybody to get a full season in. Like, so bad. Like, I don't care if you're coming back from a torn ACL. I don't care what it is. Like, there's nobody that I want to see finish a season more than Josh Gordon. Like, I just want to see it so bad. Because I think that once it happens, he'll prove a lot of people wrong and he'll be at the top again, once again. So, he's just one of those guys that I'm pulling so heavily for. Um, Adam, he already Josh. got to win a Super Bowl. Like, what more do we want? <laughs> no, but I want to see him, like, I don't want to say fantasy-wise, but just, like, statistically and, like, credit-wise. I want to see him get the credit he deserves. I feel like, you know, like Josh is saying, like, people are still like, oh, you know, he's a wide receiver season. Oh, do you see him play with Gronk? It's like, man, they have a lot of negative stuff to say about him. I just feel like he just put some respect on his name, man. Put some respect on his name. Um, do either one of you have anything else for this uh, CJ segment? Nope, he doesn't know. Okay, over. Uh, The last segment that we have that comes from a line from one of our great guests recently is comes from Connor Allen when he was discussing his catering business and the shitty customers. Uh, He said, I don't even want to sell to these people. I don't want to sell to those people. So with this category, we will basically discuss players that we prefer at all costs. As far as like... You know, when people come to you with trade offers, um, you know, you're not as inclined to accept it because, like, you're just stuck on this guy for whatever reason. You know, whether it's just, you know, you believed in him first, you've been believing in him for him years, and you're just waiting for it to pay off. You know, you believe in him more than the offers that are coming in. So it's just one of those guys or guys that you have that are just, you know, you prefer to keep them. You don't even want to sell them to anybody, those people. Um, like, for instance, for me, I'll say I'll just start off with one of my guys. It's Chris Godwin. 
So, like, I've believed in him for so long at this point, and I've had him in a few Dynasty Leagues. I've paid first-round picks for him last year um, before, you know, he was getting all the hype that he's getting now, which is, you know, it's understandable if you do it now. But, like, back last year, it wasn't as strong. Um, so I've dropped a lot of auction dollars on him. I've got him in a lot of Dynasty Leagues. So he's just one of these guys that, like, I've been patiently waiting for for like the season like for the breakout season that i like i've been hoping for and so like when people come to me with offers like part of it is like you know oh now you want to buy him because everyone's talking about everyone's raving about him so like part of it is like just you know i don't want to sell him for that reason but also like i said i'm just kind of wanting my investment to actually pay off and kind of prove me right so it's you know it's an ego thing it's a you know research thing as far as what i feel like he can do and it's just a whole combination of things so nobody ever comes with an offer that's gonna like blow me out of the water obviously if it was something stupid you know we're gonna accept anything if it's a stupid offer but there's no offer that comes legitimately that i will take for chris godwin typically so he's like one of my guys that i feel like i don't want to settle those people this is this is one of my guys so um josh you want to start this one yeah it's duke johnson and at this point it's almost becoming cliche to be on the the duke johnson bandwagon but i i feel like i've, I've been here for a while like i i get to enjoy this this just awesomeness that has happened in the last three or four weeks with the trade and, you know, him coming into a lot of opportunity. And I think Duke Johnson has everything necessary to be the next Darren Sproles. And when I mean that, let me just be clear, like Darren Sproles finishes by year, starting in his second year, RB5, RB13, and then 23, 25. I, I think that's in Duke Johnson's range of outcomes. I, there, there is no reason why this guy can't do it. He, if you look at his his metrics and his body size, he is Lashawn McCoy. He's like a pound lighter and an inch shorter. He's Lashawn McCoy. There is absolutely no reason why he can't have that kind of output. You know, he came into the NFL and one of the most well documented bad coaches we've ever seen decided not to play him. That's all that happened. That's all that happened. I'm not gonna fight Duke with John Johnson Duke. I'm not gonna fight with John Duke. This one I will give you, and I also give you credit for having him and a lot of league that believing in him for a long time. Um, there's even been times where I'm like, man, should I try to get Duke from Josh? And then like I was like, nah, 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 it's not the right time. It's not good. Can, and then now can we just some... say this: if Duke Johnson doesn't blow up this year, it's over, right? <laughs> I think it's like fair. as I'm far as confluence so of events, that's like. <laughs> There, he could not yes. have the better confluence of events right now in the league. Like, he requests to be traded. He gets traded. He gets traded to an ascending offense with possibly the second-best quarterback in the NFL or at least the second-best young quarterback in the NFL. And then the only running back he's in competition for touches with gets injured. Like, if he doesn't perform this year, it's over. It's just done. Like, yeah. there, there's there's nothing left. So this is it for for all Duke Johnson truthers. Like this is the year, guys. I hope he stays <laughs> healthy for you. I hope that he is everything you want him to be. I think that you know the Darren Sproles comparison is interesting because I think that there is that possibility that he is that level of an outlier because of how good he is in the passing game. There there is that chance. I just don't see that on a Houston Texan offense. I just I mean, it, it could be there. It could be one of those situations where the player makes that happen for the offensive scheme. 
Um, but especially with him coming in late in the preseason, I just I don't think that he's going to be integrated into that offense as seamlessly as I think you're hoping. So I don't know, man. I uh, I know we had a bet. I can't even remember the amount, but it was like I think it was like 150 carries for Duke this year uh, after he was traded, but before the Lamar injury. Yeah, I'm definitely more nervous about that now. <laughs> but, but yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. I don't see. I don't know. I still don't see it. We'll see what happens. So Adam, you're saying you don't see it. Do, do you think they bring another guy in, or do you think it's a guy that's already there? Oh no, I think they definitely have to be bringing somebody in. But I mean, it's going to be a nobody. I just, I, I honestly like, like I said, everything's set up for Duke. Like he should. By all accounts, I mean, he should be going as, like, a top 24 back now. Well, well I mean, he like, okay. Has to be. So, for instance, we heard because rumors of, like, a Jaye. Would that be a big deal or is that a nobody to you? I mean, I think really. that's fine. I think that's yeah. fine. I mean, a Carlos Hyde, that's fine. These are guys, though, that, I mean, they're going to get touches, but these are all touches that Duke Johnson's not going to get regardless. I mean, I just – I think it's going to be very similar to, like, on Johnson where – you know, C.J. Anderson is going to have his role. It's not really what Carryon Johnson does. I think it's very similar for Duke Johnson, where it's like anyone that they bring in is going to have their role, but it's not going to conflict at all with what Duke Johnson does unless it's Melvin Gordon, and then who the hell knows what's happening. That's fair. That's fair. Um, did you have anyone else, Josh? Yeah, so Rashad Penny... I, I think that Rashad Penny is in a really good place to over to outperform his ADP. He he's in an offense that has a huge amount of rushing volume. They rushed the ball 32 times a game last year. Chris Carson, healthy, was taking 17 17 carries a game. So even if Chris Carson is healthy, Rashad Penny, week one should be seeing double digit touches. And then Mike Davis is gone. And Mike Davis was their pass catching guy. We have, we have one game where Rashad Penny played without Mike Davis. And for that one game, he did step into the passing game role. Four targets. I think it was three catches. So I, I'm hopeful that Rashad Penny gets some opportunity to begin with and will be able to eventually kind of flip the script on Chris Carson and show that he's the talent in that backfield who needs the majority of touches. So my two cents on Penny. Oh, you see what I did there? Uh, yeah, my two cents <laughs> on Penny is, uh, you know, I, I, my thing with Penny is, like, he flashed last year, right? I mean, he had plays or games where it was like, you know, because he, he, he had a lot of hype coming in. Everyone was, like, super excited about Penny. And he had some flashing, but, like, in preseason, he's done nothing now. He's struggled. Um, CJ Procise like had a decent preseason game, and I know it's just preseason; it means nothing. But it's like, you know, when when you, you I guess you kind of want that like a little bit of confirmation. Like, at least he looks good in the carries he's getting or the targets he's getting, and like he hasn't really looked great. So it's kind of scary in that sense. But like, I I understand what you mean because obviously this is just one of those typical guys that I always would should love. You know, the guys that catch the ball in the backfield, one play they could take it to the house. You know, not getting not super high in the draft, so it's like you know you get that decent value. So he's one of those guys like that I want to root for and pull for and believe in, but I do have more doubts than I do on like guys like Cohen and stuff like that. Um, 
I think Adam, are you pretty? Are you not that high on him either? Or you're just like, eh, I'm like, whatever. Like either he, way. I mean, honestly, like it, he doesn't make sense as a draft pick to me, except in best ball, because I don't understand how you can ever confidently start him and Chris Carson. And I think the touch argument honestly has a ton of holes in it. Because ultimately, like, the amount of rush volume that Seattle was able to produce last year was happening because of this insane efficiency that Russell Wilson was having. And if that efficiency goes down, those drives don't continue. And if those drives don't continue, they're not running the ball that much. I think that there's this... I I feel personally, and... I, I honestly, I don't know if I have the data to back this up, but I truly do feel that rushing volume comes so often from offensive efficiency and that teams that are able to be successful on offense are able to get the privilege to run the ball more. I don't think that you run the ball a lot just based on, you know, concept and you're successful at it. I just think that that's more an outlier than it is something that's regularly consistent in the NFL. So I feel like Seattle being able to do that last year was just, it was the outlier. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen again this year. And I think that ultimately Chris Carson's going to get the first new rack at it. And he seems like the one that they want to get the majority of the touches in that backfield. So outside of an injury or something that, gives Penny the, you know, full workload, I don't I don't see where you're going to start him. I don't see where you can feel confident starting him. It's not like these offensive juggernauts where, you know, you've got a Saints team that for years has always shown to be able to produce multiple fantasy scoring running backs. This is not that situation. Listen, Josh's article at Player Profiler told me he's a flex straight the gate. He's flex-worthy. Tell him, Josh. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I even if okay. First of all, Russell Wilson is absolutely the thing that allows them to get away with being as run heavy as they are. But Russell Wilson is going to continue to be efficient. He may not be career high efficient, but over the last five years, he's been one of, if not the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. So I, I think that continues. I think that they could they could fall back to like fourth or fifth in rush volume, and you're probably still looking at something like 28 rushes a game. And so if Penny is getting 10 carries a game, he's getting three or four targets a game, I think that immediately puts him in flex contention with the ability to take it over if he shows talent. Bada bing, bada boom. Flex worthy, Adam. You guys have been debating a lot. I love this. This is great. This is what I've always wanted. You guys are amazing today. <laughs> Let's try to see if we can argue with Adam now. Adam, who is uh, on your list of guys that you don't want to sell to those people? I mean, the one player that in Dynasty, like, you cannot touch for me. I think that he should be already the consensus Dynasty wide receiver one. Um, I think personally that he's my consensus Dynasty overall player number one. And I think this year he's going to finish as the wide receiver one, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. I feel like he is really on a trajectory that we've only seen from Randy Moss as far as the amount of production that he's having at the age that he's having it. And for 
the Steelers to feel confident enough in allowing Antonio Brown to move on and to just focus their offense on Juju. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster last year was the 11th player in target share in the NFL. And now you're losing Antonio Brown. I feel like there's a great possibility that he leads the league in targets, if not finishes within like the top five or so. And with volume comes production. And to me, Juju Smith-Schuster just has that in spades. And I think that ultimately he's going to be an elite receiver this season. Personally, I think that he's going to be the wide receiver one. And going into next year, I think it's going to be undoubtedly that he is the consensus dynasty wide receiver one. It's so funny. As you were leading us into Juju there, I was thinking of DeAndre Hopkins the whole time. And I was like, wait, he just sold DeAndre Hopkins. How can he How can he say DeAndre Hopkins is the guy you can't buy? And then it's Juju. I just, uh, Josh, this guy and his Juju love. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is five years older than Juju. Like, can you imagine getting five years more production out of a player that potentially has the same seasonal capabilities? Like, I feel like Juju is going so underrated in Dynasty. I feel like he should be the consensus number one pick in Dynasty. I mean, I know having that workhorse running back just feels like such a confident position to be in because it just separates you so much from everybody who doesn't have that workhorse. But... Juju's just, I mean, he's going to play for so much longer, potentially. And I think that from what he's shown so far, I mean, he's on a trajectory that has him being like a Hall of Fame level player. And I know that's crazy to say this early in his career, but he's on that trajectory. And I mean, all he's got to do is keep going the direction he's headed. Yeah, makes sense. We'll see how he handles those uh, DBs with no AB out there taking coverage from him. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm curious about that. I know it's not a thing to most people, but I, I think it's a thing. We'll see. We'll see if it affects him at all. Um, I was also trying to think of for this segment, I was trying to think of if there was any like um, like less obvious players, like less top of the echelon, you know, guys that, you know, I could think of that I would not really want to sell, like that aren't, you know, aren't these juju guys and, and stuff like that. I, I, one thing that came to mind for me was the rookie Darwin Thompson. I think it's more like, you know, I do think he's going to take over for, for Williams. I think he's going to take over from eventually at some point. I hope it's this season. But also, I feel like, you know, the offers I'm getting right now are, like, people trying to play me. You know, like, there's nobody that's, like, really offering what I think value of him. They're trying to get him, like, as if he's nobody still. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he's one of those guys just off of the offers, like, I'm not willing to trade him because I'm already, like, if I sell him, I'm like selling him at, at my potential of what I think he is rather than what he actually is right now. So he's just one of the, I was just trying to think further down of guys that, you know, aren't obvious players that are, you know, harder to sell. Um, so he's just one of those guys. Like, I'm not going to take your three third round picks for Tony Thompson. Like, go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just one of those things. But yeah, I couldn't think of anybody else low, you know, lower down there that I could throw on the list. But I think he's a decent idea. Uh, is that all we have for that? Anybody else? Have any no, I mean, the only other ones that I wanted to touch on are just, I mean, they're, they're my two most owned fantasy quarterbacks going into this year in best ball. And I think both will finish as like top seven quarterbacks just because of their rushing ability. And that's Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And I think that the quote unquote Konami code effect where you have these quarterbacks that are able to rush. I mean, 
Honestly, I would not be surprised at all if both Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray both have over 700 rushing yards this year. And if they do, they're, they're going to be a lock for top seven. I mean, it, it's almost undoubtedly. I mean, when you want to think about how much a rushing quarterback impacts fantasy production, just remember that Tim Tebow won people fantasy championships. Like, it, it's such a big deal. And Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's going to run the ball. If they're anywhere near the rate that they were running it at last year, I mean, he's essentially a running back playing quarterback. And I think that Kyler Murray, from what he's shown in the preseason and just for the, you know, the propensity that um, he had in college to run the ball and that Cliff Kingsbury had to run with Patrick Mahomes when he had Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, I mean, the there is that setup in that offense to utilize the quarterback as a running back as well and to just get off script and have him have these long runs when there's nothing open downfield. And I think that both these guys, because of that rushing ability, they're just they're the quarterbacks that I want to own in fantasy this year. Really, they're the two guys that I'm targeting the most. And whenever I get them, I feel way more confident about my team. Yeah, you know I love those running back, running quarterbacks also. I'm kind of curious, when it comes to running quarterbacks, at what point do you, like, I don't know if there's a consensus on this or just a personal opinion thing, but, like, at what point do we care about a quarterback's amount of yards that he's running? Like, is there a certain mark that a quarterback gets to rushing yard-wise where, like, oh, okay, we got to kind of, like, acknowledge that? Is it, like, 200 yards, 300 yards? Is it only the guys who go crazy for six, 700? Like, where where do we start to care about a quarterback's rushing yards? Like, the amount of I think 40 yards a game is significant because that's a passing touchdown if you're playing four point. So whatever that extrapolates out to per season, I feel like that's a relevant threshold. That'd be a ton. That would be 640 yards a year. It's, I mean, that's, that's Lamar that's Jackson. Heavy. Like, yeah, I mean, that's essentially what I'm saying though. And I mean, it's a good way to quantify it. It is an extra passing touchdown. I mean, and that's what guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray bring. Um, ultimately, though, really, and this is something we've seen from guys like Dak Prescott, it all—it's all about the rushing touchdowns. I mean, you don't—you don't have to be a huge producer from a yardage perspective. Yeah. The big difference is when you can get those rushing touchdowns, especially in leagues that award six points for rushing and only four points for passing. I mean, that just—you know—gives you an added bonus on a week-to-week basis for having those guys. Yeah, it's another reason why Cam gets so much love. Cam Newton does it a lot. I just have always loved rushing quarterbacks from a redraft perspective because on a week-to-week basis, having that rushing ability just gives you such a higher floor. Like, they just – rushing quarterbacks have such a less um, – the – gosh, losing my train of thought. (laughs) Uh, Ball, less ball. Yeah, there's – thank you, Jesus, Josh, thank you. Um – yeah, they're so much less volatile. They they just have such um, less of a chance to bottom out on a weekly basis. Yeah, I agree. There's always that, like, safety valve to them. Like, if they're having a bad passing game, you're like, well, they'll still give me some of my rushing yards, potential rushing touchdowns. So you always feel good about it. Like, it's something that just might happen and feels good about it. But, yeah, I definitely agree. And, yeah, and I think these are some good players that we mentioned here as far as, um, you know, ones that we don't – we're not itching to sell – and that, you know, the price isn't cheap. And, again, we all have different reasons for why. You know, whether it's 
our long-standing belief in the guy, whether it's just we think, uh, you know, their potential is higher than most people who offer trades for them. Again, you know, multiple reasons why we come to these conclusions, which is interesting, and a lot of difference in opinions on the players. So it's pretty good. All right, those were fun. Um, that's it. That's all we have for the segments today. I want to jump over to Fowler No Foul, and then we'll close it out with some show and tell, of course. Um, so for Fowler No Foul today, guys, as you know, I got some great statements for you guys. I'm curious what your takes are on these things. If you agree with the statement, there's no foul. If you think the statement is ridiculous, you call foul. All right, the first one, we'll start with Adam. Uh, the first statement is Dolphins head coach was totally fine playing eight Jay-Z songs in a row to start practice after wide receiver Kenny Stills questioned Jay-Z's new partnership deal with the NFL and its effect on the political climate that the players have been a part of for the last few years. Foul or no foul? I'm going to say no foul. Um, I did listen to his like speech that he gave afterwards where he talked about like the conversation that he actually had with Kenny and about how you know he relates to the protests on a personal level. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's one of those things that's like, it's shitty, but it's like, it would be shitty after like a song or two, but I feel like by the eighth song, it's like that repetition thing. Like it's got to get funny eventually. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And I wonder how Kenny felt about it. Cause ultimately like, that's the only person who mattered in that situation is, you know, how he took it. And if it was something that you know, brought him closer to the team or if it felt like it isolated him. And I didn't really hear him speak on the subject, but to me, it was one of those things that was just like, it was, I mean, it's, it's silly. Like it'd be a whole different situation if the coach came out and was talking about like how Kenny should have never said that and he shouldn't speak to the media. And then he went and did something like that. Then I could understand that it would have like this, uh, you know, vindictive nature to it. But in this situation, like, I feel like the intent was to be lighthearted so even if it doesn't come across that way, like, uh, I don't know. To me, it's not not a big deal. Josh? So I, I don't know. If he had a conversation with Kenny about it, that could change things. But just looking at this from the perspective of he knows this thing happens and he then antagonizes his player, like, I just think it's just a punk move. Like, it's it's comes off to me as bad and being focused on all the wrong details. Like, he, he seems to think that being hard is what matters. And I'm sorry, but I don't think being hard makes you good at catching footballs. Like, these these wide receivers, a lot of them are soft. Odell Beckham, <laughs> people get in his head. Antonio Brown has these issues. They're not hard. They're just good. I, I just, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I say, I say foul on it, too, because, you know, for me, when I first seen it, and again, you know, I've had discussions with, like, Anthony... Um, and from fantasy uh, authority and just like, you know, these different, you know, Dolphins fans and stuff. And I just feel like I just, again, I don't know if there was a conversation beforehand, obviously that changes things. If like the head coach went to Kenny Stills and was like, Hey, I'm going to do this before practice or, you know, had some kind of like, you know, conversation beforehand. But if it was just, you know, it just rolled out this way. Uh, yeah, it just felt childish. At least that's my initial reaction. I know sometimes the initial reactions are like dangerous because we don't know the whole story, but like it did feel super childish, especially when you're like your first year as your head coach. It's not even like this guy is like you know Belichick style or you know these guys that have been doing this forever. 
and of course, I also see the other side of the coin where, like, AB as a Raider fan, that this guy is doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? He's in the headlines. The media loves to crucify him. And the whole time, Gruden's just like, no, nah, we're standing by him. We're standing by him. We're standing by him. And, like, so it never, like, blew up in the Raiders' face. It never got crazy. It never got out of hand. And I just feel like I don't think we heard from Kenny Stills. I could be coming at this with a lack of information after the fact. But um, I don't remember hearing him speak after. I don't know if anyone ever asked him or if he hasn't been available to the media or what. But um, it just seemed childish and like a weird way to approach things. I don't know if it's like an old school kind of approach um, to how people, you know, how there's like the way that people raise kids now and then like the old school way, like how we did when I was a kid, you know. So I don't know if it's one of those things or, you know, what it was. But I, I wasn't a fan at all of the move. I just as a fan, I wouldn't want my coach, my the head coach to do that. It just doesn't seem like the leader move to make. But what do I know? kind of you know kind of mentioned josh's thing where he's like there's 89 guys out there who need to depend on him to catch footballs and it's like oh i'm sorry because he had a comment about jay-z he's not gonna catch footballs like it's weird it's a weird it's a weird angle to take <laughs> for me and i definitely disagree with it all right uh the next one being in a fantasy league with oj simpson would be scary foul or no foul it would be scary <laughs> it would be scary what what like you're not a little bit worried if you stomping and he knows where you live i'm a little bit worried about <laughs> like or he, he could just put you on blast i don't i don't want to be in a league with, with oj <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i i did see the uh the video that he posted on twitter where it's like him at the draft that's why i brought this and up he's first. like scanning around to people and i figured that's why you brought this yeah. up and all I could think is like, man, is there a worse video to get caught on? <laughs> like, like, can you imagine where people are like, oh my god, cousin Jimmy? You're, you're in a with OJ? Why? <laughs> so weird. So it's like weird. as bad as getting caught doing porn or something. <laughs> like, honestly, it's way worse. It's way worse. Yeah, but, I seen that yeah. video. You know, the whole Twitter thing in him is like a weird thing. Like he keeps, "What's up, Twitter world?" And he like says how he feels, <laughs> and it's just like, "Bro, like, how are you doing this right now? And why are we all listening to this guy?" And like, it was so weird to see. Like you said, it was like a Buffalo Wild Wings or something. They're all like in this draft, and the guys like, "Hey," in the background and shit. And I'm like, "Bro, I would not be shouting my name out or putting my face in any video in my league with OJ Simpson." And I was just like, you know, he was kind of like it seemed lightheartedly. You know, Andrew, look, how do you retire after I just drafted you an hour ago? I'm thinking, oh, Andrew, you better hire some extra security, my friend. Because <laughs> I don't know if this guy's joking. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was crazy. So, yeah, I think we all do not want to be in a league with O.J. Simpson, although it would be kind of like, you know, bragging rights kind of thing. I don't know. It, looked it would like be just, wild. It, it looked like just a bunch of old white dudes who were like, I remember how good you were in college. <laughs> That's what it did look like, like we're old buddies or something. But yeah, man, like just imagine imagine the 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 taunts you can come up with to OJ Simpson if you beat him. Like you could just come up with some really good ones, man. Some good jokes out there on him. It'd be fun. I think it'd be interesting, but I definitely wouldn't be in it. Because that dude is a bona fide killer, allegedly. Um the next one. Josh kind of mentioned this one day in the uh, Clock Dodgers chat, I think, somewhere. He mentioned it somewhere. But the statement is a nuclear bomb would stop a hurricane foul or no foul and we are not weathermen or bomb specialists but we're still going to take our give our take on it because trump said okay so, so, <laughs> I don't really so know this was did. my this was the thing i was going to bring up for show and tell but 
I apparently the president brought this up as a um, just like kind of spitballing, like, what do we do about these hurricanes? Let's bomb them. And I'll be honest, when I saw that, I did not know if the bomb would stop the hurricane. <laughs> that was going to be my reaction. It's like, I don't know. Do we try? Does, everybody's saying yeah. not to do it, but does anybody try? And, and so, like, what I thought about it. And he didn't say nuke them. Like, people kind of took it to that place. Uh, maybe he meant it but didn't say it, but he, he did not say nuke them. That would have, you know, obviously very bad environmental uh, ramifications. But uh, so apparently there is so much energy in a hurricane that you would have to drop like a nuclear bomb every 20 seconds. Like, like we can't even come up with enough energy to counteract a hurricane, which I, I didn't know that. I, I, that's wild to me. I well, can we build like a real big fan and just put it on the edge <laughs> and just have it blow everything back into the ocean? It, it, it's funny These because these are thinking ideas here. It's funny because it kind of reminded me we don't was... have presidents who are willing to answer the real <laughs> questions: how we blow hurricane backward. I bet you a lot of people did have that same reaction as Josh. Like, but can that work? Like, if you just blow up the <laughs> eye of the hurricane, what happens? But it kind of rem- reminds me back of when we had a hurricane. I think it was Hurricane Irma. I forget the name of it here. There's so many hurricanes. But there was actually, like, a news article that I went out, and it said, like, police tell everyone do not shoot at hurricanes. And, like, it was, like, this <laughs> thing that got, like, attention or whatever. That, like, God, I don't know if it started Florida trending. sounds amazing. I don't know if it, like, went viral or what it was. But I don't know if someone just made it up and then people really ran with it or what. But they're, like, please do not shoot at hurricanes. Like, the bullets will come back at you. Like, it was some crazy shit. Like, it's one of those things, like, you can't believe happens. But it's, like, maybe Trump spread that damn rumor because uh, he wants to bomb him now. <laughs> it's pretty classic. It was a good one. It was a good one. Josh, I don't know if I stole your show and tell, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to, man. The Sorry. the last one I have for us, I thought this was kind of interesting, but um, and th- this comes from a, a real case that's happening, so that's where I'm throwing this one out there. But if an astronaut commits what will be a crime on Earth in space, they shouldn't be charged with a crime. Foul or no foul? Foul, Neil. Stop being ridiculous. <laughs> Listen, this really is happening. There was an astronaut. No, who, like, no, dude. No, we agreed. We agreed that. Space was home base. You can't, you can't, no, there's nothing illegal on home base. Space is home base. And and this is a little, a, a real story. Like, uh, an astronaut lady, she, like, hacked into, like, her ex-wife's bank account or something while she was in space. And, like, it was some kind of fraud or something, some kind of, you know, attack on a lady's bank account. And so they're, like, kind of wondering, like, there's no real, like, space laws. I think Canada might literally have some. But it was like, you know, she wasn't on Earth technically. So, like, does she get charged with a crime? Like, well, how does this work? And, you know, and they think like it could be real lawsuits as a later where like lawyers try to pull some, you know, shenanigans like, hey, this wasn't here, you know, like, how do we kind of, you know, how do we hold this lady to this? So I just thought it was interesting. So I want to see if you guys call foul or no foul. <laughs> I think she should be in trouble. <laughs> I don't trouble. want space people messing with my bank account. <laughs> Maybe we should just have her fly into a hurricane with a bomb and see how it plays out. Let her be the person that <laughs> takes that duty on. In my mind, like there is nothing 
I didn't understand that there were things that had more energy than a nuclear bomb, except for maybe the sun. But apparently hurricanes and natural events are on this whole other scale. Bro, just bomb the eye of a hurricane, man. Just try it. Just give it one shot. We have <laughs> we have one coming What's right now. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst thing? Just put bomb fragments in the hurricane as it lands. No big deal. What's the problem? Just spread radiation across. You, try. you don't know. It's worth a shot. Everything is worth a shot. And I mean, we got one coming here on Saturday, probably. So, no better time than now, Trump. All right, that was it for foul or no fouls. To close out, we do our show and tell segment. Um, damn. Oh yeah. So my my show and tell. I like to go to the podcast route all the time. I don't know why I do this, but. Um, it's just one of those things. It's a form of entertainment and content that I consume so much, so it's easy for me to go to. Um, but this one is actually uh, a popular podcast that I'm sure anyone who consumes a lot of podcasts and knows or has heard of, which is Radiolab. Uh, my, it's not the show itself, though, that I want to tell. It's, the, it's an actual episode that I thought was interesting. Um, so even if you don't listen to Radiolab at all, you don't listen to their show regularly, I thought this episode was interesting. It was an episode about... Um, let me get the name of it really quick, just so it's easier. Uh, the name of the episode is Right to be Forgotten. And it was this interesting episode about how when you commit a crime, even if it's just, say, like a you know a DUI or something, your name goes on the website of a news, or a news company. And then, like, it could be on there forever. So, like, 10 years down the line, somebody could type up your name. And, like, one of the first things that comes up is this DUI that you had. And so there's a lot of people whose lives are, like, affected forever. Um, off of either crimes that even got dropped sometimes or that, you know, they've matured and it's no longer who they are. And so, like, people actually reach out to, like, these websites and say, can you please remove this from your website because it's ruining my life in one way or another. Um, and so this one uh, website, I think it's cleveland.com or somewhere in Cleveland, um, they actually have meetings with a group of people that work there and they decide whether somebody is worthy of being removed from the website or if they keep it. So they're kind of the ones who are the judge and jury on not whether you are right or wrong, but just whether it should stay or not, like whether it's worthy of being there for anyone to access or whether it should be like basically not acknowledged according to their website. So that was a pretty cool thing. Something I never thought about. Um, so it's a really fun episode to listen to if um, you haven't checked it out. Adam, Josh. So it sounds cool. I, I mean, I, internet is forever yeah that's what it is and it's like there's people on there who were like did some things that were like it seemed small and they're just like hey well like for instance it was one with a lawyer who got like charged with something that was not good for lawyers like some kind of uh contempt or something but it was like he was like every time someone looks up my name and the word attorney this comes up <laughs> so like you're killing my business and like it's just one little line in your article like it's not even important and they actually, I think they removed it because they're like, yeah, like it's affecting his business. And like he's he was never barred from being a lawyer and no one took his, you know, his license away. So if they're allowing him to do it still, then we shouldn't like hurt his business. And then others disagreed and said, well, still, if someone's hiring him, they should know that he's done this. So it was like this really weird balance. Um, but it's a really cool episode to listen to. And there's a lot of interesting stuff um, in there. So, yeah, I, check, I highly recommend it. New problems, man. New world problems. New world problems. Nobody would have ever thought that this would be a thing. <laughs> Adam, you got anything? Yeah, uh, this is probably the nerdiest thing I've dropped on here in a while. Doubt it. But I doubt it. 
This is a TV show that, like, I loved when I was a kid, and it got brought back a few years ago, and I still watch it regularly, and uh, me and my best friend constantly text about it, which is one of the silliest things, but did you guys ever watch BattleBots? Because yes. it's BattleBots. <laughs> this is where they, like, put them in, like, a UFC ring, and they, like, have yeah, it, weapons, it's, right? it's UFC remote control robots. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's essentially what it is. And they brought it back, like, uh, three years ago, initially on, uh, I think it was ABC. It was one of the, like, major networks. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was ABC. And now it's on uh, the Science Channel. But I swear, I don't know why. This is like, it's one of those things that is one of those like nostalgic things. But I feel like even if I didn't have nostalgia, I still would really like it. Because it's just, <laughs> it's just exciting. It's destruction. And it's always super interesting to me. And uh, I don't know. If nobody's ever watched it, yeah, essentially it's... It's robot combat, so people build remote-controlled uh, armored machines, and they're essentially, like, really souped-up, like, you know, remote-controlled cars, <laughs> yeah. but they're, you know, made to destroy one another, and it was something that I was obsessed with when I was, you know, a teenager, or not even a teenager, preteen. I feel like I was, like, 10 when I started watching the show. Um, but then it got canceled and was off the air for years and they just brought it back over the last couple of years. And I mean, it's super campy and like over the top and a lot of the theatrics in it are really stupid, but the actual battles themselves are always awesome. So I ha highly recommend it. It's a great thing to watch when like you've got nothing else to watch and, and you just want something that's uh, going to be entertaining for what it is. Yeah, it's I, easy to fast forward through the boring shit. I actually <laughs> caught an episode like uh, maybe a month or two ago with my kids. I was like, hey, check this out. They used to have these on TV. I didn't know they still had these. I had them watching it. I mean, they should have mercy rule on that thing because some, <laughs> some of them get fucked up. And they got like, they tried to soup it up. They got like all these things on the wall and stuff, like all this extra ridiculous <laughs> like weapons and stuff. But yeah, I hadn't seen it in forever. And I showed my kids it because, you know, kids like that kind of shit too. It's different. It's interesting to them. Um, but yeah, I definitely... Um, I didn't watch it a, a ton back in the day, but when I come across it, it's on TV and my kids are, I don't DVR or nothing like Adam or get in my little group chat with them like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you got a group chat for battle bots. That's cool. Dude, they have a tournament. You can get me. I will pay attention to anything. If you make it a tournament, That's like funny. I am, I just, I buy into the dumbest shit, but as long as you like make it competitive in some way, and throw a bracket in there. I'm I'm hooked. I'm always I'm always gonna watch whatever you're trying to get, sell me. Get that bottle bot fantasy league going. Get it going. Cook it up. Josh, do you have next, anything next even though season, I, uh, guys. Do you have anything even though I took it from you? No, no, oh, it was go. just Trump. This guy has Trump no backup options. Hurricanes. And you know what? Like I, I really don't even he's catching a lot of flack. Like I don't even think he should be catching flack for it. Like he threw out an idea. It was. It didn't work. But. <laughs> that, that's what it's come to. We're like, all he said was, you know, that we could maybe possibly bomb a hurricane. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. What's so wrong I with mean, that? I mean, come on. I mean, I, that's his job. His ideas. <laughs> He's supposed to have ideas. He threw out an idea. I, I'm not gonna hate on him for that particular idea. Did, speak, speaking of Trump, didn't he also said that space force or something like that too? We did mention astronaut crimes. 
Maybe they'll be handling that. Maybe that's their jurisdiction. <laughs> I don't know. The guy's a nut. But again, I'm not going to lie. I did pause for a moment. Like, would that work? How exactly would that work? And I didn't think nuclear bombs. So my that seems pretty dark. But, you know, just throw something in there and see what happens. It's, it's not crazy. He has some imagination. Got to give him credit for it. All right, guys. That is it for the show today. Thank you again for listening. You can find Adam at the other ff guy on twitter you can find josh at jc crocker he also has player profile articles which unless you have your alerts on you're gonna miss them so make sure you put his <laughs> alerts on because he's not gonna tell you otherwise he's gonna like rt that thing one time and you're like oh if you miss it you miss it it's the way this works but we're gonna get him a marketing firm or something to handle that and you can find me at clock dodgers uh, as always, guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you, this is your first time listening, please hit subscribe. If you've just been streaming us and you're like, fuck, I'm never going to subscribe to this for some reason, hit subscribe. Do that shit. Leave a review. Show us some love. Follow JC Crocker so you can get those fucking articles because this guy's holding out heavy on the marketing tip. Adam, Josh, anything else before we sign off or before Adam obnoxiously tries to end this podcast with me? <laughs> anything i don't think so right good job neil thanks thanks for doing you yeah man thank you for being me it's a great way to put this i'm gonna go bomb some hurricanes because we got one coming i gotta divert it but other than that thank you for listening to the clock dodgers podcast be kind be great keep dodging it's not even fun now (laughs) oh